morning. The children are dismissed to Children's Church. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your living word. We thank you for your precious promises. And we thank you that, Lord God, you've given us your Holy Spirit. That, Father, you will guide and direct us. That, Lord, you give us wisdom when we ask. Lord, that you bring conviction when we need it. But, Father, we come before you because we want to be changed by you. We want to express your love to this world, but also stand in the truth you've called us to do. And so, Father, I ask that you would bless this time, anoint this time, and open our hearts to your word. We thank you for your promises, and I ask that you would guard my lips. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You know, last week we were talking about King David, right? And if you remember from the story, he was in a situation where he could take the guy that was causing him the most grief right out of the picture. And something had taken place there, and if you remember, you can read it in 1 Samuel chapter 23, or get a CD and, and study it. But hopefully, how many of you are reading along? Not that many, okay. <laughs> Not that many. Then we'll do what we can do. So David, King David, was in a place and he cut the side of Saul's garment when he went to the bathroom in a cave. Now, if you're just visiting for the first time, you might want to get a CD to see what we're building up to. But what we see here is David, it says, is a man after God's own heart. Now, what's different about David is he wasn't a perfect man, but he was a man that when he was convicted would take responsibility for his actions. So we're studying the life of David, but in that we're also seeing the lives of others like King Saul, those people who were unteachable and didn't take responsibility for their actions and all the harm that it caused them. Now what's interesting here is it's a time that's mentioned where it says in the Old Testament, which we don't really have the word for conscience, it's heart, Your, his heart was pricked. In other words, he was convicted by his conscience, if you will, for what he had done because he knew it wasn't what God wanted him to do. Now, the conscience in the world today, or consciousness, it would be, science would say, well, how do you know you're here? How do you know you're in this room right now? And how do you know how you feel? That would be your consciousness. You are aware of your surroundings and you're aware of your inner thoughts and feelings. In fact, it does make us different than the animals in the world. We are uniquely different. Across all cultures, they would say, yes, we can agree on certain things morally. Dropping babies is wrong. Slapping people or doing horrible things is wrong. Murder is wrong. Pedophilia is wrong. Murder is wrong. These things across all cultures, people will say, that's wrong. When people depend on you and you don't show up and you run the other direction in battle, even through all culture, that would be considered wrong. See, the difference is 
when sin entered into the world, there's the biblical view and then there's the, the worldly view of your conscience. What's interesting is if you ask a scientist or anybody in the world today, they would say it's a riddle that we can't really fully know. But see, the Bible tells us clearly about our conscience. You see, once sin entered into the world and Adam and Eve knew that they were naked, that's when they knew they were self-aware of their sin and what they had done, and then they tried to hide. It's the same thing today. Our conscience, you know, how many of you have heard, let your conscience be your guide? Just follow your heart. Is that always going to lead you in a good direction? Now, the older you get, you find that out because you went down some of those paths and you found out your heart lied to you or just didn't work out the way you wanted. You see, our conscience can be manipulated and corrupted by the things around us. When I was a kid, I was forced to go to church like I told you, so I didn't really put a whole lot of stock in it because I was made to go. Now, there was things I liked about it, but in the meantime, I was trying to find out who I was as a kid. And one thing particularly stands out to me today because they say memories are triggered by strong emotions. So if there's an emotional situation that took place when I was a kid, it helps form memory. I remember this like it was yesterday. And it was probably one of the first times I really had an encounter with my conscience where I had known I had done something wrong. And what had taken place is I was watching Zorro like most kids at that time. And for me, if I watched Bonanza, I put the outfit on and the guns, and I got my rocking horse, and I was watching Bonanza, and I am in Bonanza. When I was watching Zorro, I had the mask, and I made a wooden dowel sword and a cape, and I was Zorro. Come to find out, a kid down the street was also Zorro, so we go on our bikes with our little cards in the back to make a motorcycle sound right down to the local park. As we're sitting there in our Zorro outfits, he says, there's the bad guy. I look over, there's another kid on a bike. He's not wearing a Zorro outfit. He says, you need to go attack him. Now, this kid was much bigger than me, and he you know, had a larger stick sword, and he said, I said, I don't know if I want to go attack the guy. How do you know he's the bad guy? Because I said he's the bad guy, go get him, or I'm going to hit you with my sword because you're with him. So I remember riding over in my bike, and the guy's looking at me, and I take my wooden dowel, and I strike him on the shoulder, and he just says, why are you attacking me? And I couldn't give him a reason other than I didn't want to be attacked. And I just thought, thought so bad, I felt so bad. Now, he wasn't seriously harmed. If you think I got away with something horrific. But it was enough for me to go, wow. It bothered me. I couldn't sleep at night. All I could see is this kid's shocked face when I hit him with this man-made sword and I knew what I was doing was wrong and I still went and did it and it bothered me and I could not sleep. I'm like, do I tell my parents? And I remember that's when I had that encounter. We were at church and I don't remember what the message particularly was, but I knew it was something about I can give my sin to God and if I come to the cross, he'll take it and that he'll help me live a new life. That's pretty much all I could really take in as a kid. And I remember 
saying those prayers and feeling like a backpack of 100 pounds was lifted off of me, and I felt forgiven. And I actually hoped I would see the kid to apologize to him. And you go, well, that's an interesting... And I know you guys all have your own stories. You could see it with your siblings, the way you might have treated someone in your family. If someone has done you wrong, you want them to feel the pain that you felt. And if it seems unfair, you want them to feel the way you felt. And so we constantly get in this, this bickering and fighting and wanting justice for ourselves. And, and we live in a place where we're hurting and tearing down people other than building them up. And as Christians, we are to live different. Now, I'm saying this because the conscience is something that you can damage and sit in church every Sunday. You can sit in church every single Sunday, but if you don't listen to the Holy Spirit when he speaks to you, you're, you're desensitizing yourself to a point where you're not going to be able to hear him. How many of you know you can hear yourself just fine? How many of you know what it's like to hear the Holy Spirit? Right? It's something that is almost, you can't put words to it, but you just know that you know that you know. As uncomfortable as something might be, you know that you need to do something or make something right, right? And I say that because we're getting an example in the Bible because it's important. And we live in a society that is not, I don't believe it's a willing thing. There's darknesses at work in the world, absolutely. But not everyone you run into is purposely trying to come against you. We live in a fallen world, and if they aren't serving Jesus or know him or, or in the word, they're not going to be able to live that life that they're supposed to. And so you're dealing with someone that is broken and frail and needs help, and the question is, how are you going to present the love of Christ and the gospel to them is really important. And I'll be honest, I think church over history has failed in that department a lot. But there's a lot of other areas where it hasn't failed. But the enemy will never let you see that on TV, right? So if you were to look at Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Do we live in a society like that today? Now, I'm not going to, this is what we don't do as Christians. You don't pigeonhole sins over another. How many of you know Christians can do that? How many of you know the world says Christians do that? Right? If you're an adulterer, or you are living outside the parameters of what the Bible calls for marriage or any of these other things, it's a sin, is a sin, is a sin, is, is it is. It is a sin. All sin is offensive to God. There's only one sin that's a sin against your body, and that is sexual sin. And that's not just uh, in the homosexual realm or, or anything like that. It's a sin where you are giving yourself to become one spirit with someone else out of wedlock, out of what God has ordained. And from that, you are doing damage to your conscience. You're putting yourself in a place where God can still heal and restore. But guess what? It's still just as offensive. The world will say Christians hate people that have abortions. If they're a real Christian, you should not hate someone who has had an abortion. You should love them because they're a sinner just like you. Whether they had an abortion or not, they're still a sinner like you. 
And the problem is, in Jesus' day, Jesus came to those who could recognize they needed a savior, and he totally rebuked those who thought they had their stuff together. It is no different today. People go, well, how could someone do this? This is, this is how you got to do it. Were you saved by grace? Did you earn it? Were you saved even though you made a mistake? God loved you and reached down and gave his life for you so that you could be restored in a right relationship with him. How are you supposed to share that with someone else if you're a jerk? He who is forgiven much loves much. I am a pastor who has been forgiven much. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it, but God has given his love towards me in spite of myself to restore me. And it's a process. And all of you are in your own process and in your own place. But as Christians in the world, we have a time right now where anything goes. So as Christians, you can still show the love of Christ while the whole world is doing what it wants to do. It's not hateful to stand with what you believe, but it is hateful if someone doesn't feel the love of Christ around you. And what I mean by that is you meet the need of somebody maybe before you preach at them. You be kind to them. How many of you had someone in the church? If I ask you right now, and I want you to be honest, you can close your eyes. Close your eyes. I'm not going to close my eyes because i got to see. <laughs> Think about it for a Have you been hurt in a church in your life? Raise your hands. That's enough. I know there's more. How many of you go, well, I don't know if I believe in it because I know this guy says he's a Christian and he's really good at this, but then he does this and I totally see the hypocrisy. Raise your hand. Right? So that's one of the main things that bring us down, isn't it? We look around and we say, well, you say you love Jesus and you say this, but yet you don't do it. How many of you know your kids can see all the faults that you do and are remembering it? And then when you want to bring direction to them, guess what? It's hard for them to listen because you're not being real. Would you agree? It's easy for you to hold some standard up here, but how can you expect them to live it when you don't? The difference is a person on their knees before Christ and they know they need Jesus, they never get tired of that. They know they need him, they want him, and he begins to feel the things that we can't feel in our good efforts. And he begins to restore and he begins to heal and your kids see when the hand of God is upon you. They can see it. Some people same and came to Jesus' disciples and they could tell that they had been with Jesus because just the countenance that was on their face, their demeanor had changed. We see it in the Psalms all the time. David, in one part, is downcast. He is, knows he messed up. He knows he's doing something that's not great. But he calls out to God, and his attitude begins to change. And what does he use? He uses the, the means of worship to get there. He speaks the truth, even though he doesn't feel it. And that's how he begins to realize it. Does that make sense? There's people in the world that need hope. And, it's in the, and the enemy wants to tell people there is no hope in Christianity. The news tells people more than anything that there's no hope in Christianity, that this is an old way of thinking and we need to be progressive and change the way we live and not be bound by anything, especially a God we can't see. 
And they want your kids to see it and believe it and believe we came from apes over believing that a God loves you and sent his son. Now, if you think about it, it all can seem overwhelming. But see, in our hearts, there's something in the beginning, the moment that you were born, our conscience, even though we're born into sin, our conscience is still there and God can use that. And I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we can either respond or not respond. And the more you stop responding or the more you say, I'll just come to God when I feel like it or when I'm done doing what I want to do, you're betting that you're going to feel it tomorrow and you don't know that. The truth is we don't know how much time we have. And I can tell you this, one day with the Lord, God can do more in one day in your life than you could ever try to figure out on your own. And you go, well, I can't even imagine how I can forgive this person. Well, you can't. But Jesus Christ through you, you can. You could go, I don't know how I'm ever going to stop feeling this way. There was a time that if you told me I'd quit drinking, I would not believe you. And if you told me I wouldn't be in the bars, I'd say, not going to happen. If you told me I wouldn't be able to quit smoking a pack of camels a day, I'd tell you that wouldn't happen. I would just be adamant about it. Not going to happen. I don't want to. But over time, God changes the desires of our heart. And he changes the way we think. And I say this because we live in a world where you might just assume that you know how someone might think outside, but I'll tell you, the world is broken, and the system that's happening in the schools and everything else, it's not helping kids. Now they even feel more isolated, and this is their God. I don't know, I'll just research it and just take the first five websites I see and just take it as the gospel truth, even though I don't know who wrote it, even though there's no way to really gauge who wrote it, right? That's the time we live in. So what do our kids need and people need? They need Christians that are sensitive and don't have their conscience seared, as it says in 1 Timothy, because you know what happens? When we listen to lies of the enemy, when we go our own way and become more selfish, we begin to sear our conscience where you cannot feel anymore. Now, I don't think a majority of Christians, if you're here today, I'm not saying that is you. But I'm saying we're surrounded in a world where people are so desensitized, they say they're Christians, and they say all these other things, but they don't show any love of Christ for their neighbor. In fact, they're the worst neighbor anyone could have. Right? I'm not saying any of you are that person. But I'm saying you've got to ask yourself, and God has given us the ability to evaluate ourselves and line it up with the Word of God to see where we line up. And then to be truthful about it. Okay, let's do this. Close your eyes again. I know not all of you do, but just try it. How many of you have never said you're sorry? You guys are smart on that one. I'm not going to raise my hand for that one. How many of you know someone, and don't squeeze your wife or husband's hand, please. How many of you know someone that has never said sorry? They never apologize for when they've wronged you, right? Their conscience is in a place where maybe they can't because of their own trauma or problems in their life. They just can't see the idea of ever making it just, why even say sorry? Why take responsibility? And the truth is, you can open your eyes, the truth is without responsibility, we cannot grow. And even as a corporate church together, as the body of Christ, we have to take responsibility even for people that aren't sharing the love of Christ. People should feel welcome here. 
They should feel welcome here and not judged. Now, there'll be people that say they feel judged no matter what you do. But as you, as upon your conscience, you know that's not the effort. That's not what you're here to do. Let the Holy Spirit work on that person. Because who convicts the person of sin? The Holy Spirit. He uses his word. I don't candy coat it. I preach the word just the way it is. It affects me as much as it affects you. That's how it's supposed to be, right? Are you still with me? We get to look into David's life for a reason because we get to see exactly his shortcomings. David was sensitive at this point in his life to what God was saying to him. You have to cultivate a healthy conscience by being in the word, by speaking the truth in love, by taking responsibility for your actions, right? And standing in for what you believe in. You don't waver. You don't get pressured by other people around you. You, make it, you set the boundaries. You do your thing and you stick to it. You do those things and you give it to God and let him begin to work the rest out. If you turn with me now to Romans chapter 2. Well, first I'm going to read part of Romans but you can go to chapter 2 or verse 1, chapter 1. For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wicked of men that suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, that men are without excuse. So when people say, I don't know if I have a conscience, right there, that's saying that in nature enough, people know that there is a God. They know there's something greater. It's pride that says we can figure everything out. And just if you really think, that's not even a logical thing to say, that we can figure out the space and everything else when all we do is got telescopes. We haven't even touched the surface of God's amazing creation in the world, but yet we can act like we can figure it all out. When the word is very clear in what it says... For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, you know what this is? He's speaking first off to the religious leaders in a lot of ways because they did suppress the truth and they didn't want the Gentiles to have anything to do with it. They thought they were better than everyone else. And in their heritage, that's how it was at that time. Not all of them thought that way, but the majority of the people that Jesus is addressing here, and Paul is talking about here, are the religious leaders that are saying, Jesus isn't enough. You still need to do this and this and this. And they were oppressing and holding the truth and not wanting people to know the truth. They wanted to control people. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their heart, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Is that the world today? Would no one, right? You're like, well, duh, that's why I'm here. But think about it. It's very clear what it's saying. 
but there's still people that are lost, right? So it says here in verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who was ever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their own women exchanged natural relations to unnatural. And in the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge, this is what I want you to hear right here. They did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what they ought not to do. In other words, he allowed them to go the course that they wanted to go. They didn't think it worthwhile, so he allowed them to continue to go the wrong way. How many of you know if you are bent on going a direction just like Saul was, you can get yourself in trouble and it's not God's fault? Would you agree? How many of you wanted something so bad and then God lets you have it and you're like, well, geez, Lord, help me out now. This isn't what I needed or what I should have had, right? When you look at this, it's, it's very clear what it is. People are choosing. They didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. They'd rather just say he doesn't exist. We're not accountable to anyone. We can just live by our own standards. Well, the problem is that standard changes from day to day where the word of God doesn't. And as Christians, we need to be able to stand on the word of God, but also share the love of Christ because we forget that everyone in this world is in need of a savior. And it says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And he showed love to people that the religious community rejected. In fact, they said, how dare he talk to the tax collector? Right? I'm sure if someone was a tax collector in here, you wouldn't advertise it. You think people were judging you, right? Whatever the case is, Jesus went to those who knew they needed help and the people who thought they already had it by their birthright and who they were and their name, that's the ones he said, you're just a nice coffin, but inside you're death. That's how he spoke to them and they couldn't stand it. And I believe because in their conscience, some of them knew it to be true. You see, when God works on you and me or in someone's life and they're wrestling it and then you're a Christian, you don't even have to say sometimes they will be against you because they don't understand the spirit of God that you're submitting to and they want to destroy it, that spirit that's controlling them, just overwhelmingly just attacks. Have you ever been attacked for no reason verbally on your faith? How many of you told someone you're a Christian and all you get to hear is, Right? Why do you think that is? It's not you. It's not you. It's the spirit of God that's in you that they have a problem with. And I, my passion in this church or any church is I don't watch, I'm not saying on things on TV are all wrong. I'm not saying that. And things on the radio are wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm saying for me, I have the word of God here. I, I, I know what it says. I know how to study it. I know how to, what it says in its original context. And what was the greatest commandment that Jesus gave was what? Love the? So your whole being, right? And then what? What does it say happens? Okay, and you will fulfill what? Have you read the law? I can't do it, man. I can't figure, I can't live that life. It's too hard. 
Do you know that we weren't, he knew that we couldn't. And in his grace, which is sufficient for us, he made a way for us. It's recognizing you need his help. You'd be amazed how many people can't say they need the help of the Lord. Because somewhere in their life, they cried out to him and they feel like he wasn't there for them. Now that might be a legitimate concern, but you know what? Get this, as a Christian, you get to be the light of Christ with that person and to meet that need and help explain to them. Because some things we can't understand, but in light of eternity, it, things can make sense. Some things aren't fair. How many of you know we live in an unfair world? It was a shocker, it should be fair. Everyone says it should be fair. Well, it's not fair. But we serve a God that, that can take the highest mountain and make it low. He can take the rough places in your life and make it smooth. He could take the bad things that have happened and turn it around for his glory so you can help impact someone else's life. And not only that, you're getting blessed the whole time. We love our neighbor as ourself. When you think about that, that takes a whole life of getting used to. But when you recognize that people are people and Jesus loves them, they were created in God's image just like you, you should look at them differently. And I want people when they come here or anywhere, you don't change the word. The world wants to change the word all day. If you read it in its context, you can understand it. And there are people in the world don't fully understand it and they can't because it's spiritually discerned as it says in Corinthians. But the truth is, when, they have, when we have Christ, we can understand it. We have everything we need for godliness and how to live. But as Christians, we want people to see the love of Christ. Because you know what? Right now, in high school, I was in the gothic group. Which means I wore black. And I, you know, black and trench coat. Before trench coats were totally terrorist stuff. Which, you understand what I'm saying? To me, that was where I hung out. I listened to the Smiths and the Cure and all these other types. I, that was my crowd. I wasn't a jock. I wasn't a cowboy. I fit in here. And you know what? Why I fit in there is because they accepted me. I felt like I was rebellious and they let me in. I felt misunderstood and they were misunderstood. I felt broken and they were broken. What is that as a Christian that we're supposed to be in the world? Are we accepting? And I'm not saying accepting and tolerating and saying you're, that's okay. I'm saying when someone sees you, are you going to share the love of Christ with them by your actions? And you go, well, what does that mean? I mean, you got to understand that whoever you're talking to, you have no idea the amount of trauma or something that has happened and false representation of Christ in their life. And how many of you know there's a lot of that? If you can't think for a second that maybe someone abused the word and said something out of line and hurt somebody, and then you're gonna come in there and bust the door down and tell them they're gonna go to hell. You tell me how that works. You following me now? You understand what I'm saying? I'm not condoning actions. I am a sinner and I'm a big one. I'm better now, but I'm not perfect. I'm not who I used to be. Does that make sense? Two steps forward, one step back. I'm moving forward. Do you get me? I'm moving forward. I'm not going to pretend and tell you I don't have bad thoughts. I'm not going to tell you I don't, I don't fall and stumble and say horrible, mean things sometimes that I shouldn't, especially in a car and, or when I see news or something comes up, blood pressure boils, goes through the roof, and God says I died for them. And they just don't know. How are they going to know? And you can preach the gospel, but you got to earn the platform first. You got to earn the space 
to share the love of Christ. And usually that's by being kind to people that you don't understand so that they could see that, hey, you don't hate them like the world says you do. And I'm talking about all types of people. I'm talking about everyone. See, I was raised, my dad says you go to church, that's what you do. And then when my dad didn't say sorry or did something, and I'm not gonna, my dad wasn't perfect. He did what he could, did the best he could based off how he was raised. And he, he did bring me into church and everything, but there were some times it wasn't great. And from that, I would get so mad and angry and say, you don't understand what I'm going through. And the moment I felt like he didn't understand, I'm like, you think I'm, he said, oh, you're going to embarrass me? I said, you haven't seen embarrassment yet. I wanted to get back at him, but not really him, just everything in my life that wasn't working. And instead of kneeling at the cross, I blamed him and I blamed this. And I'm not saying, once you get older, you start to realize no one's got all the answers. They're not perfect. But it's who responds and it's who's kind and it's who's willing to love and speak the truth in love. And the truth doesn't change. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Sin is sin. And we just need to remember, and you know what? Sin isn't preached on a lot, by the way. How many of you know you're a sinner? Does that offend you? Are you offended? Be honest. Sometimes we're like, well, I don't know. Why is it a sin? So-and-so got to do it. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's, it's bad. Yeah, some things are bad that feel good. Drug addicts start out chasing that high. They get high, and they just can't get the same high again. Now they're just doing it to survive. They're doing it to go to work. You're an alcoholic. You're like, you're just doing it to function now because your blood and everything's messed up, doesn't know how to function right, and so you're just doing it to survive and go to work. You're not, it's the hey, hey, party time. That's short-lived. The addiction is what drags you through the mud. But God has grace and mercy, and it's sufficient for me and you. Amen? So, as we get ready to go into our time of communion, that's another thing to remember. God's grace is sufficient. His mercy is here for us today. And that if you haven't given your life to Christ, do not feel like you need to take communion. Or if you are struggling with something or forgiving someone, don't feel like you have to take communion. It isn't a religious, it's not supposed to be a religious act for you in the sense it's a personal experience that you have in remembering what Christ has done for you. So don't just do it out of habit. Do it because you know that, hey, God, I was off. I confess my sins. I know what I had done here. I want to make it right. And I'm doing this. I thank you that you've made a way for me. Forgive me for doubting you. Forgive me for not thinking you're not going to pull through this time. Forgive me for, for, for speaking the way that I did or having those lustful thoughts. Forgive me for watching that which I knew I shouldn't watch. Forgive me for, for not helping that person when you pretty much told me to do it. Forgive me for not getting in the word on that time when you told me to and I found something else to do. Whatever it is, this is when we say, Lord, here we come. We come before you, humbly before you, at the foot of the cross. I want you in my life. I want the power of you of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in my life so that I could be a light in this world, amen? So as the ushers come forward, as you feel led, come up and take the elements, then we'll take them together.
how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, then we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he has given us. We thank you for that. So think about that. If our hearts condemn us not, if we set our mind on the things above, if we set our life before him and we continually come before him, it might, it's a process. It says, how may we keep our way pure? How may a young man keep his way pure? By meditating upon the word day and night. God has made a way for us. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we can come in this building today and come before you and we know that the work that you have done, Father, may we walk in it. May we live a life that shows the love of Christ with those around us. Lord, may we speak the truth in love and may we be there to meet the need. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for your word and those that are here today in Jesus' name. And Jesus, while he was sitting and eating with the disciples, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it for this is my body. He then took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them and they all drank of it and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you stand with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask to have your heart. We ask to have your eyes and ears to hear that, Lord God, that you would allow us to not be frustrated to be overcome by the things that are happening in the world, but that know that, Lord God, the battle is already won. That, Father God, you've made a way for us that we can share the love of Christ with people by just our actions and within our neighbors and those that you've put around us in our homes, Lord. May we be able to see and hear what you're telling us to do. May we be sensitive to your spirit. May we respond accordingly, Lord God. May we walk in truth. So, Father, I just thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that you've given us a way to have a pure conscience, that, Lord God, you make all things new. As far as the east is from the west, so are our sins forgiven. I thank you, Lord God, that you have made a way for us. So, Lord, as we leave this place, I ask that you would guard us, protect us, and let us be sensitive by your spirit to those in need. And all God's people said, amen. May you go and be a blessing 